0: Hello and welcome. Welcome to this series of guided meditations. Meditation has helped me a ton. It's also helped millions and billions of people across millennia to find some balance in the mind, peace, freedom, so many things, sometimes even relief from mental disorders. For many people, meditation can bring improved mental health, but I want to make this point early and clearly that I'm not suggesting meditation as any sort of cure to improving your mental health. So it's shown a lot of promise, it's helped a lot of people, but I'm not promising anything. And I'm also encouraging you, if your mental health has been shaky, if it's been a little unstable, I'm encouraging you not to jump in to the deep end of meditation, because even though media in the United States and pop culture gives meditation a super positive rap, Meditation can also have uniquely challenging side effects. So in Buddhism and in the cultures that developed meditation, it was a tool to use to transcend or to destroy your sense of self. So that's a very existentially threatening goal. It goes far beyond merely self-care or mental upkeep and it's a process that invites transformation which can be disruptive, it can be difficult and sometimes people go deep into meditation and they just don't know what they're signing up for. So I say all this at the beginning to get it out of the way and so that you know and if you want to know more about these topics... I touch on them at great length in episode 20 of this podcast of Redeeming Disorder, a six-hour episode featuring Daniel Ingram, a longtime meditator and meditation teacher and the author of a book called Mastering the Core Teachings of the Buddha. If you want to hear me talk about this stuff at much less length, like three minutes, you can go to my Instagram, check out my Instagram TV, check out Guided Meditation Zero FAQs and Getting Started, And check out minutes 24 through 27, where I talk about some of the media depictions of meditation, some of the potential side effects of meditation. So, all of that said, I don't think that there's ever been a better time than there is right now to start meditating. 2020 has been a very challenging year. It's been a year full of change in which we've had to adapt, and we're going to have to do a lot more adapting into the future. So... There was an old Buddhist monk who was asked to sum up his teachings, sum up the path of meditation in just one sentence, and he said, everything changes. So on some intellectual level, we know this already, whether you're a Buddhist and you're conceiving of it as phenomena arising and passing away, or you're a biologist conceiving of it as cells dying and regenerating or you're coming from some other framework, some other epistemology, wherever you're coming from, we all do know that given infinite time, absolutely everything changes. And in this era of ease and comfort and technology, it's fairly easy to not confront that reality, to hold on to an illusion of solidity, Being this human that, as far as we can remember, we've always been, we often have this implicit assumption that there is a permanence to this, that I'm here, I'm here to stay, my partner, she's here, she's permanent, she's reliable, and my favorite food, and my favorite show, and my favorite hobby, and this book, these are all nice, solid, permanent things that make me happy. This is the model for conditional happiness. We think we can find happiness through money or status or fame or power or sex or pleasure. You get the drift. Meditation shows and life shows that this simply isn't true. Not only are these things unsatisfactory ultimately, but they're not permanent. They're going away. I'm going away. You're going away. Anything you love, anything you hate, Anything you think about or that affects you is going away. In 2020 now, we're seeing this reality of constant change come into our worlds more. We're having to confront it. That trend is only going to continue and everything changes. So everything, literally everything is on the table to change. And meditation is a practice of simply observing that. We close our eyes, we go inward, and we see that even though we assume ourselves to be this constant self moving through the world, really what we are is a process of ever-changing phenomena, sensations, feelings, emotions, thoughts, smells, sights, tastes. When we look into our internal world, what we see is this constant change that mirrors the change we're starting to see in the external world. And it might not be immediately obvious why looking at the internal would help us deal with the external and all of these changes, but the two really aren't different. Everything on the outside affects us because it affects us on the inside. Our senses turn it from an external thing to a sight or a sound or a smell or a taste or a feeling, sensation, or a thought. So we render the internal from the external, and the two are completely intertwined. There's an internal corollary for every external object you can observe. And it's well worth paying attention to those internal corollaries because those are the things that are driving us. Internal sensations, subconscious patterns, mental schemas... All of this stuff under the hood, under the surface of our own psyche, drives our behavior. And if we're just looking at the external, we think that that thing that person said affected us. We think that this news affected us. We think this tragedy affected us. But really, it's what our minds turned that external thing into internally that affects us. This is why ancient Greek Stoic philosophy is all about an internal locus of control Realizing that it's through our interpretations and our own mental activity that we create suffering and striving to meet reality how it is to come to this present moment with as little past baggage as possible and as little future worry and baggage as possible and just be here with what is. So the stoics have been onto it, the buddhists have been onto it, but it doesn't belong to any particular tradition or religion. There is some truth and some insight to be found in almost any tradition or religion. I don't subscribe or identify as any of them, but I draw a lot of inspiration from most of them. And the beauty of meditation is that it doesn't belong to any of them. Meditation is simply tuning in to our internal world seeing what's going on, and observing reality. So it's not Buddhist, even if Buddhists did a lot of great work to develop it. What it really is at its core, fundamentally, is just looking at experience. Looking at experience directly. So in a sense, you've been meditating without even knowing it. Your entire life has been a low dose of meditation, insofar as you're aware of what's happening in your life. If you're present, if you're here, if you're embodied, if you're feeling what's going on, that's meditative. And it could happen when you're running. It could happen in any given situation. It doesn't have to be in this formal, cross-legged, closed eyes way. But the power and the use of this formal way of meditation, this practice that we call meditation, it simplifies things. It removes all these external distractions that could pull our attention away from direct experience and into something else, like usually a loop of thought, and it allows us to retain some attentional regulation and control. So, spoiler alert, attention is an incredibly unstable force. It's all over the place. We typically assume we have some semblance of a handle on it. But then as soon as we start meditating and we close those eyes and we look at what's happening, it's like, whoa, (laughs) this attention thing is not at all under control. It's so unpredictable. It's so all over the place. And normally it's actually so all over the place and so caught up in what's going on around us externally that we don't even notice how all over the place it is. It's only when we take a second and slow down and go inward that we see it. And seeing it is the first step, the fundamental essential step to allowing these patterns to shift, allowing the monkey mind to become a little more focused and to become a little more oriented toward whatever we want to be oriented toward in life. And that's as good a segue as any into the very first FAQ that I want to cover here in this introduction, which is why meditate? What's the point? Why are we doing this? It's a tricky question because there are about a million answers, but only one answer that matters to any given person, and that's your answer, your why. All the other whys are external. So there's a ton of research, there's a ton of science, and there's a ton of justification. Yes, meditation will improve your memory. It'll increase the density of gray matter in your brain. It'll decrease the rate at which your brain degenerates. It'll enhance neuroplasticity. It'll reduce the risk of... God knows how many different diseases. It'll help your concentration. It'll make you more self-aware. It'll make you better able to relate to others and to listen to them, to be there in the moment, listening to them. It'll do hundreds, maybe thousands of good things for you, but none of that matters. And it doesn't matter because it's not your why. It's not your reason. It's just stuff you've heard, just like it was stuff that I had heard when I decided to start meditating because the science says it's good, basically. So, external reasons for meditating. External motivations. And these got me started, they got me in the door, but the only reason I'm still meditating today, the only reason I made a turn in my practice to really be dedicated and want to meditate every day, was because my external motivations shifted into internal motivations. I let go of these ideas about what meditation would do for me and what I had heard and what the science said. And eventually, I actually experienced for myself how meditation could help. And that made all the difference. Typically, we get internally motivated to follow through with a new habit once we start seeing results, once we start seeing our muscles get bigger in the gym, or once we start feeling better if we're improving our diet. Whatever it is, the challenge with meditation is that it's a slow, gradual process. So people often meditate a few times, they stop and they start forever, and they never get a true, full taste of what meditation can do. And that's why this meditation series is a little bit long, with 12 days, and also why it is a challenge. So on Instagram, I called this the 12-Day Meditation Challenge, I'm calling it a guided meditation series on the podcast here, but it is still a challenge. And I make it a challenge and challenge you to do it, to meditate for 12 days and see what happens, because really you need that large of a dose at least to get a real taste for the effects meditation can have and to give meditation the full try. And giving meditation the full try is super worthwhile because then whether you're a hardcore yogi pursuing enlightenment or whether you're meditating here or there as a helpful tool, or whether you think meditation is a scam and all the monks and nuns are charlatans and it's a bunch of bunk that you throw right out into the trash, wherever you land, you'll be landing there from experience and not from hearsay. And that's what I want for you. So speaking of experience and the experience of this meditation series, what it has to offer you, how it might be different from Headspace or Calm or the hordes of other meditation resources out there, the experience of this guided meditation series is to go deep fast. So it's to progress through meditations that are designed to systematically, chronologically build a skill set for you that will empower you to practice on your own. So a lot of meditation teachers, a lot of meditation programs and apps are a business. They're trying to sell you meditation. They want to get you meditating with them in their way into the future, and that is not my goal here. My goal is to introduce you to meditation and set you up to go on your own meditative journey after this, knowing the meditative landscape and knowing what's out there and knowing what resonates with you through this guided meditation series. So I'm sharing as big of a piece as I can of what I've learned in the time we have here. And you might wonder, what have I actually learned? Why am I teaching meditation? What do I know? So I've described this other places and I won't go too deep into it here, but I've been meditating consistently now for about four years. I started roughly five years ago, but I was a little less serious in the beginning around the time of Cambodia And then especially after Survivor Cambodia, I was looking for answers. I got deep into meditation, started meditating every day, started having deep experiences, started going on retreats. And before I knew it, I was in Nepal at a monastery. I was at a three-month retreat this past fall, and I was racking up thousands and thousands of hours meditating, even though this human Ryman is still a pretty young guy. So I feel lucky to have been able to go as deep as I've gone in, you know, just 4 or 5 years and doubly lucky to be able to pay it forward and share with you. So to get into what specifically I will be sharing, each meditation will have a short poem or quote or koan at the beginning. Then it will get into the meditation instructions, and then with a little bit more time at the end, I will expand on something topical or related to what we did that day in meditation and share a little bit more of my perspective. So that's what you have to look forward to, and if you're still looking to figure out how you're going to be set up as we start the guided meditation series, if you're wondering where or when or how to practice, that is another frequently asked question that I will get into now. So the answer is mostly simple. The best time to practice is whenever you're able to practice. The best place to practice is wherever you're able to practice. That isn't to say there might not be a better time or a place. A lot of people love meditating in the morning. A lot of people love meditating in a quiet room where they won't be distracted. But for our purposes, it's really not something to worry too much about. For the how of how to practice... don't need to worry about that at all until we get into the guided meditations because we will be starting in guided meditation one at square one from the very beginning assuming you've never meditated before and i will walk you through every step of the way so you should be basically all set up but the one question of how and where that i will address is sitting because you probably do want to meditate in a place where you can sit comfortably And it's not always the easiest thing. We want to strike this delicate balance between being alert, but also relaxed. We want an upright posture with the spine straight, but not so straight that it's tense and forced. We have to find that balance. So you might find it in a chair. That's perfectly fine. You might find it on a cushion on the floor. There are a lot of great postures like that. It might even be that to be balanced for you, You've gotta be lying down or you've gotta be standing up. There are a lot of different meditative postures and a lot of reasons for being in different postures. The basics are just that balance I told you of being relaxed but also alert. Also making sure your knees are no higher than your hips because that can cut off circulation. But as for the particular posture you should meditate in, there's not an objective right answer. It's gonna be different for everyone depending on flexibility depending actually on a number of things. So rather than talking on and on and on here, I will once again refer you to that guided meditation zero FAQs and getting started from my Instagram TV. For this question of posture, I go very in-depth through every meditative posture, showing you me and the postures so that you can see exactly how they work and understand how to make this decision, and that is from 8 minutes to 18 minutes in that Instagram TV episode. So really, that's your only homework before getting into this Guided Meditation series. Guided Meditation 1 is already up. I'm uploading it alongside this introduction, so you are ready to roll as soon as you know what position you'll be in, how you're going to practice. You can go full speed ahead. Guided Meditation 1 is ready for you. And the last thing I'll leave you with is just some encouragement because especially in modernized, westernized, intellectualizing cultures like the US, we are our own worst enemy with meditation. We psych ourselves out like no other. So don't psych yourself out. Don't think that your mind just can't do it. It's just too hard for you. Remember, every time you notice that your mind is wandering or you're thinking, As long as you return the attention back to the breath or whatever you're focusing on, you're doing it right. You are doing it right. So don't psych yourself out and think you're not. You're doing this right. It's perfectly within your capability to walk this path, to learn meditation, to look at what's going on in your mind, and to use the awareness you gain to respond rather than react to the world, and ultimately, to be free. Freedom, peace, peace and real happiness are on the table. It sounds pie in the sky that these things could result from simply sitting there and observing experience, but I'm telling you from my experience that it's true, and I'm so happy to share this practice with you for you to have your own experience of meditation and begin your own journey. Here we go.